0: You are now listening to Home Girls Unite. Please do not listen to this podcast whilst cooking, cleaning or doing any childcare related activities.
1: Sit back and enjoy your life. Enjoy. Right. Enjoy yes. <laughs> Are you enjoying this? <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm like sweating a bit, guys, but it's because of Chloe Ting. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's because of prawn, guys. If you know me, you know
1: I love prawns. Like guys, the way she's like screamed when she saw the prawns. She was like, Hannah. They look so good. <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> and honestly,
0: I'm going. We just found this new fishmonger, and they have the absolute best prawns I've ever seen. And I'll be back for more after these ones I got finishes. But
1: yeah, how's your week been? I guess it's been. Uh not gonna lie it's it's weird it's like um it'll be good it'll be going good and then i'll get on twitter and uh, yeah and it's just it's sad like obviously everyone was sharing their um sexual assault stories and it was just a bit heavy so
0: Yeah. yeah and in regards to that people i would just recommend taking time out Um, If you need to, because being on your phone 24-7, it can be a bit too much. So, me, whenever the time comes, I love getting off my phone. So, (laughs) But yeah, um, I hope everyone's doing good and everyone's keeping well. But, you know, we have a guest. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Hi, Emanuela. Hi, Emanuela. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. Thank you guys so much for having me. Of course, anytime. So we actually met Emanuela on Twitter. And um, so what we've been trying to do is get more home girls to come on and tell us like their experiences, because I feel like it's really important to hear other people's voices and what they mm-hmm. go through because hearing me and Hannah every week can maybe,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you hear me? I'm like please,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's really important to get a wide range of experiences, voices to like mm-hmm. tell us how maybe someone else can relate to you more than us, so we're really excited to have you on and Thank you. you no, know,
2: of course, I'm so delighted to be here. Thank you, guys.
0: <laughs> you want to go ahead and introduce um introduce yeah. yourself and like maybe what you do, how many siblings you have, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I
2: uh, work for the BBC in podcast commissioning. So we try and make podcasts that appeal to people like you and me, like younger audiences, BAME audiences, people from not London just try and make sure that those audiences uh, get, get their piece of the BBC pie. I've been doing it for about two years now. uh, And um, yeah, as, as uh, you guys probably know, I'm the eldest daughter. Um, I've only got one little sister um, and I've got uh, a mum and dad who I live with and I live in my family home that I've grown up in since, you know, I was about three years old when I came over from Ghana, which is where my family are from. Um, And yeah, we've just been in South London ever since
1: oh what part of south
2: uh, clapham battersea like literally oh, on the border like uh, one postcode is sw4 another postcode is SW8. south
1: of the river it's all right <laughs> <What are laughs> as,
0: as long as it's south like yeah. we're, we're south. We'll, we'll manage that or you guys you know what people are gonna think we discriminate because everyone <laughs> i think everyone we've had <laughs> very we live in we live in croydon so oh,
2: right, so proper
1: yeah, like, well, like...
0: okay,
1: <laughs> <laughs> south, yeah i I grew up in like the Crystal Palace area, oh yeah, uh, nice. so I've only been living in this area for three months now, oh, wow.
0: yeah, I'm, I'm not from London, so but I've only known known South London, so mm it's the best part don't worry you know the best part. Can you tell people again please because the family (laughs) respects us all the time (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so um how how was your experience growing up in um as an eldest daughter in like a Ghanaian house were you born in Ghana or here?
2: So I was born in Ghana and when I was three years old I came over to London so it's kind of all I've ever known Uh, and growing up was really interesting as an eldest daughter because I think as you guys are probably aware you feel like a, an added level of responsibility mm-hmm. kind of from a very young age to kind of look out for your younger sibling so my sister is five years younger than me so we weren't really friends growing up because we we loved each other dearly but you know when I was 12 and thinking about boys she was like seven and thinking about I know like running around so we didn't have that crossover experiences just yet which does change as you get older uh but I definitely felt like I had to um kind of look out for her definitely in school in primary school when I felt like people weren't been as nice to her as they should have been and then also set an example that I was gonna you know do the best that I could for myself 100% but also kind of to show her that she could also do great things as well Mm. and I grew up in a really working class house so we faced a lot of like financial difficulties and troubles as a kid and so I kind of got a job when I was 15 and was helping out in little bits here or there, nothing major. Like I was only earning like 30 pounds a week for my sweeping up hair, hairdresser job. Yeah. And then I got like a retail job. And so it was never like huge sums of money, but you know, there were always, there were times where, uh, my parents would you know be low on cash and I'd have to like step in and help out a little bit not in any major way but you know it felt like a lot for me at the time it was only like a proper couple hundred quid or whatever but um so yeah you just grow up feeling like you have to look out for people a little bit more than maybe your younger siblings do.
0: That's um that's quite interesting in regards to like the whole finance finance side of things um, and yeah. was it a thing that was a verbal agreement or were you just thinking I let me just help out because you saw that your parents were struggling or was it 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 something that you you like actually were asked to do
2: I think it's let me just help out because I know for a fact that my parents didn't want to um like ask us for money that's not something that they were happy with or comfortable with but you know you can kind of like kids smaller children and i'm not just talking about myself i don't think i'm like especially perceptive but i think little children or younger kids are generally you can sense when your parents are worried or stressed or frustrated or you know concerned and so it was very much about kind of stepping in where i could and i don't want to act like i was you know really selfless and altruistic all the time there are definitely times where uh my mum might have been like oh could you help me out and I'd be really like annoyed or angry or upset uh me being the brat that I was when I was like 15 (laughs) (laughs) but you know you kind of don't want to like kind of leave anyone behind when you're a family unit Mm -hmm. and you feel like you have a strong bond like you can't be over there having a great time going to Nando's when your parents and your (laughs) sisters are like over there worrying about like rent and stuff like that that's just not how I think families should work and you know my dad it was basically my dad basically was has been ill since I was about 11 years old so I'm 27 now I'm so old Um, but so for the majority of my teenage years for all of my teenage years like we were always worried about money and always concerned about it because we only had one person earning in the house so it was just something that meant I had an extra level of awareness of and that has definitely mm-hmm. shaped how i think about the jobs i do and the earning uh, i trying the, the money i try and make and like yeah how I become look very my deliberate. And stuff. it does yeah definitely
1: yeah i remember reading an article um by tony morrison may she rest in peace, she rest in peace. Um, <laughs> but she was talking about how from like a really young age from I think about four or five she was just so determined to not become another burden on her parents yeah so sometimes it's not even like "Oh, let me make money in order to give to them it's like let me make money so they don't have to worry, worry about, about me yeah um and I feel like I know for myself for sure it was that more than anything I think because like you said my parents are quite proud they're not gonna they don't do well now now obviously that my dad's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, he's a bit more comfortable but I think growing up it was it was a thing of let me not be a burden mm. um yeah okay, so yeah so, yeah I totally I totally get what you what you're saying um and how did that affect your relationship with your sister like you being Obviously, you're older than her in age, but I feel like your mindset is a bit different. I think they're they're allowed to be children for a bit longer. So, like, how did that impact your relationship? Yeah, It's
2: a really funny one because um, a lot of people, uh, m- me and my sister, a lot of people sometimes think she's the elder sister, <laughs> which is really flattering for my ego. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think in some ways I matured qu- more quickly than she did uh but I think we have a we're really close like we're really really close but we fight quite a lot and we're very different in terms of oh my God, temperament yes. <laughs> we fight so much but like I love her so much and like she's just the person like I'm always there for her but I think I got a bit jealous of her I think that's fair to say growing up because I would feel that she was able to kind of do fun things or like, you know, be babied a bit more or kind of have fun experiences that I felt like I wasn't able to have as much. And, you know, I think it's, there's a story like I, that I always tell her, remind her of, and my mum of, we had my grandma come and live with us for a year and she was really great. Um, (laughs) My mum's mum. And because my sister was the youngest, she, she, we would watch TV and my sister would go and have like an evening shower with my, and my grandma would bath her and my grandma would let her take... The remote control with her to bath so I would just be Are sat there serious? in the living room watching <laughs> what she what had like set the channel to I was furious I'm and it's just things like that I was like this is outrageous like, how was she, <laughs> she allowed to take the remote with her obviously I would change the channel from like the mains from the main like skybox or the, yeah. the preview box but like just the audacity that my grandma had like <laughs> okay this was just infuriated me so it's just like little things like that which aren't big deals in the grand scheme of things but I definitely grew up feeling like she got to do a bit more of what she wanted and it has definitely. affected us in later life that and she's definitely not a spoilt person at all by any stretch of the imagination we grew up in the same house we had the same financial struggles completely but like it does mean that when she like asks me for something or wants something from me I feel like she's been a bit entitled and a bit spoiled mm-hmm. which she isn't really but for some reason I just harbour these like you know um these feelings from the past
0: I do that she well. kind of got what
2: she wanted and so why <laughs> should I help her get what she wants again you know yeah. which isn't like an accurate portrayal of kind of what, what's happening but you know it's just no, how I feel
1: I definitely get that and I'm, I'm really glad that you you've spoken about it because I feel like when it's um negative feelings or what what is deemed as negative people are kind of like shy to speak about it so like labeling it as jealousy is like a big thing, especially I yeah. know for me because my sister was there. So I have like a couple brothers. I've got four brothers and two sisters. Mm, and mm. my sister, That's so I've big got two family. brothers. On side. <laughs> yeah, so my brothers <laughs> are on either side. We got along really well. And then my sister, who's five years younger than me as well, we used to fight so much, mm. <laughs> unbelievable. But, but it's the same thing of like I love her the most. It's, yeah, she's just such a great person and she's so f- she's so funny like, my sister's funny really girl. funny as well she's so funny so funny oh God, did I miss the gene <laughs> but like, she it's just seeing her live like Yasin's seen her she's just so much more carefree than I am mm. and it's like a thing where I think she was allowed to be like that whereas for me, it was like, if I remember for my story is if she ever did anything wrong, I would get in trouble instead of oh, yeah. her. I
2: still do. My mum is like, <laughs> you taught her this. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just minding my She's own business here.
1: So it's the same kind of the same kind of feeling. So I'm just really glad that you said it because there was times where i was like i feel like i'm not allowed to be jealous no. like my mom would be like how dare you that's your sister like yeah and it's, like, it's not my fault like you're literally penis, exactly, and you're treating us differently like yeah and it's so visible like yeah it's visibly different yeah um but i'm, I'm glad because now i learned so much more from her because yeah. she for her growing up she was always very much like um ask uh seek uh, apologize later just yeah. do it seek, uh, and seek
2: forgiveness point. not permission <laughs> exactly
1: <laughs> whereas for me it was like no but we can't we're yeah. gonna get in trouble and blah 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 <laughs> and like overthinking everything so it was it was good and then you you mentioned um about being really deliberate with your jobs and what mm. you're working towards so what made you go down uh the media route because i i started off at the bbc as well actually oh amazing yeah I so, yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, i was like i think i used to see like in passing yeah, like, we've got like mutuals and stuff and yeah, so, um, i just wanted to know like about your route your career route and if it if your um your childhood kind of impacted what you wanted to do
2: yeah so i would say that i was like oh, you know voracious reader growing up like I absolutely loved books I remember like so my parents are well so am I we're all um Pentecostal Christians I remember like it's so funny like my mum I was in Asda with my mum one time and she was like oh you know what you know what? I've, I've heard of this book I think it's a big deal so like maybe I'll get it for you and it was the first copy of Harry Potter it was like the first book and so she gave <laughs> it to me and I started reading it and I like got engrossed with it and then like afterwards she realized it was all about witchcraft and she was like no yeah. <laughs> retract this get that back for me I was like it's too late Faustina that's my mom's name <laughs> I'm too involved now <laughs> it's mine but yeah I loved reading growing up and I was fortunate really lucky that like I just had a natural interest in it so I was a, I got pretty good grades at school and I ended up going to Oxford and I just remember thinking I'm going to Oxford not just for like the prestige it's not for me I'm doing this for like my mum and my dad Mm -hmm. that it was really important to me that I made them proud so that they'd have bragging rights at church at work wherever they wanted so I was (laughs) just really committed to like you know trying to do the best that I could um for myself and also for my family so that and I think kind of basically having to struggle financially growing up was a big factor in all of that and And the the flip side was that I never actually knew what I wanted to do. I didn't know, like, I'm definitely going to be a doctor. I'm definitely going to be a lawyer. I didn't have that sense of, um, you know, calling, which I really am, you know, envious of people who do. But that's just never been me. And so I just did student radio at Oxford and I just like sort of enjoyed it. Never really thought I'd have a career in it. And then when it came to graduation, I found uh, out about creative access, which I'm sure you guys have heard of before. And this was
1: Yeah, I was a creative yeah. access sometimes. Oh, sometime and to- I went to Oxford. Do you know what? It feels like we should have met ages Definitely. ago. Like- <laughs> Shout
2: out to Josie Dobrin, man, because she really did <laughs> the for, all the behavior. So she was incredible. So I ended up at a publishing company and from then on out and then you know I realized the publishing industry wasn't going to pay me enough and it's funny because recently there's there's an anonymous google docs out there at the moment um on the internet and it's basically they've got people who work in publishing to talk about their to like anonymously submit their salaries and like their identity and I've seen great. Level roles, am like I'll send you the link afterwards I've seen oh, every every for, like 18k and like the highest I've seen is like 50k and I was like that can never be me so i like one eight in london i was like "Mm -mm, mm -mm." oh my god which is a whole podcast about kind of how classist and like how high the barriers to entry are in is in the publishing industry but anyway so i decided that i wasn't gonna kind of find the financial comfort or stability or opportunity that i wanted um So I did the sensible thing, which was try out journalism as if that's like the bedrock of like, you know, solid income. (laughs) Um, And I ended up at BBC World Service and then I transitioned to a permanent role at the BBC and that's where I've been ever since. And I think I'm definitely like a risk averse person because of being, um, because of coming from a low income household growing up. Like the idea of joining a startup sends a shiver down my spine, which is, there's something quite sad about that because... (laughs) You know, these are join it, doing things like startups are like incredible, could be incredible things. Like, yeah. you know, Facebook was a startup once upon a time, um, Netflix was a startup oh, once yeah. upon a time. So there's definitely fantastic opportunities in the startup industry. But I think because I just don't want to feel financially precarious in a way that I did growing up. It's meant that I've tried, I, I've naturally lent towards more kind of stable companies or industries, which, you know, nothing is guaranteed in this life. Nothing is forever. Nothing is permanent. So it's not as if I think, you know, once I'm in, that's it. I'll be financially set for the rest of my life. But it has definitely, me growing up in the way that I did, it has definitely meant that I'm much more risk averse with careers than maybe I would have been like I loved acting growing up but I would I never considered it as wrong my sister absolutely loved singing as well but they're just such um the, you know there is there's such difficult in, in, industries to make it in and be successful in yeah that it's never going to be a viable opportunity or possibility for me in terms of career
0: nice um I wanted to um when you were talking about finances, actually yesterday we were having this conversation in the group chat about um, one of the girls was saying how because she grew up with such like financial ha- hardship, it's really important for her to like, save and be mm-hmm. with someone that's also financially stable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't see why it's such a taboo to say you want a man with money. Why would I not want a man with money? Like, what is this? So in terms of that side, when it comes to partners, yeah. does that play a big role for um, whoever you end up with, like their financial situation?
2: That's a really interesting question. Um, for me personally, it's not that I want... The, f- the first thing I think of is I don't want necessarily a man with money. I want my own money. I don't want to rely on anyone else financially to be okay in this life. So I think money is just one of the ways in which people can control other people. And I yeah. think that's no less true in a relationship. Like I think it's really recently that um, the UK gov- the UK law has recognised kind of financial abuse as a form of domestic violence, essentially.
0: Yeah. And I think
2: that's definitely something should be recognised. In terms of my partner, uh, I think I don't, I think I want them, it's not that I want them to be wealthy, but I want them to work Mm -hmm. and to like, and to not, yeah, I just want them to work. I don't mind how much they bring in personally, I don't think, but I just don't want them to have like, you know, huge debts that they're not working on. Everyone has a past, no one is, you know, blemish free. Everyone has skeletons and closets, but I just don't want someone who is gonna like, unsettle me financially in yeah. terms of like having huge credit card debts or whatever or not working themselves or you know all these sorts of things um because it's really important that you kind of protect yourself at the end of the day like at the end of the day I think in you, you need to take care of yourself and the people you love and the people you care about and you don't want anyone to jeopardize that essentially yeah. so you know, I completely understand where your friend in the group chat is coming from. I don't think there's like a magic figure that I want a partner to my, like I've got a a boyfriend currently and there's no, I would never be like, you must be earning X amount or Y amount. And it doesn't bother me if he earns less than me at all. But as long as he's earning, I think that's the main thing.
0: Nice. That's, um, that makes sense. Um, in regards to, um, I mean, you're now in a relationship, but growing up when you were younger, how did your parents handle the whole dating thing? Like, did they (laughs) even handle it? Like,
2: (laughs) uh, This is so funny because my parents are really weird. So I've got half brothers and half sisters who are older than me, who I've never lived with. Yeah. And my older half sister got pregnant when she was 18. That's on my dad, my dad's child. So I think my dad was just happy that I graduated without a child. was like, thank God. <laughs> my mum, this was like we are her only two kids, so she was very much on it, very much kind of eyes on us. And uh I just remember I think it was my sister who had Googled like sex or something on the computer. And- <laughs> She left it on by accident and I was just like in the shower, minding my own business, scrubbing down. And my mom just like burst in and she was like, Don't have premature sex. And that, <laughs> and yeah. that was her sex talk. That was my sex talk. Because my mom didn't teach me, you know, about like uh masturbation or any of those other like or, or like consent, none of that. She just she just thought I'd figure it out because she's from a conservative uh Ghanaian Christian family. And so it's just conversations that we didn't have. So you know, I was definitely like kind of confused and didn't know much about it. I think I had my—it was my circle of friends who influenced me in that. So I'm considered the wild one out of my two sisters, which is <laughs> out of the two of us, which is really <laughs> to me. So I had a boyfriend when I was 16. That was like my first boyfriend. Yeah. Nothing—we like didn't go beyond kissing ever. And like that was kind of a—that I didn't tell my mom. That was a secret. Um, but my mum, because my parents are very much like, don't think about boys, think about your education. That was definitely the MO. However, the second I turned 18 and was at uni, my mum's like, so where's your husband? Where's right. mine?
0: Honestly, I- <laughs> some
2: mixed messages, some real, real, real mixed messages. So,
0: I'm like gonna get up and get married after graduating.
2: <laughs> <laughs> my mum did one time see me kissing a boy, and she didn't really do anything or say anything about it. So it was, my mum's a really funny woman. Like I used to have <laughs> parties and she was really fine with that, but I would never go to a sleepover, for example. So yeah, just- I
0: wanted to touch up on the whole sleepover thing. Like, cause I feel like your mum's like my dad. Okay. Um, cause, so I grew up in a very white area in Yorkshire mm. and I had like one black friend and it was, it was very strange cause like, when I was in year seven, eight, nine, my dad would let me go sleep over like he he was just I was living my life. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I got to year ten, it was like there was not even any point in asking. I don't really... Yeah, I don't know I what had, happened. I don't know. like <laughs> <laughs> And that was when all the parties were happening. Like um was... oh, I think right. maybe like Family members started putting in their two cent, like, oh, yeah. she's she's at that age. Mm-hmm. Like, if I like my stepmom, she was like my partner in crime. She would let me like s- let me sneak away. Like, she'll pick me up or whatever. So, how w- how was that with your parents? Like, did they yeah. have to know who and where, what, when, time, all that? Yeah, so being parents- allowed so
2: primary school I had two sets of friends one were black and one were white
0: yeah and my mum
2: was fine with sleepovers at both sets and she knew some of my black friend's parents like she worked with a couple of them actually so yeah. it was all good secondary school was just complete ban it was not happening there's no way <laughs> was I was just, my mum was like, "You have a bed why Why are you staying in another person's bed so that was a massive no-no um but, like, generally going out and seeing friends on Saturdays were okay. The parties mm. started happening when I got to sixth form. And the secondary school I went to was pretty tame. And I had a really good group of friends who were very, like, all immigrant backgrounds, but very academic. We all loved each other. It was, like, fun times. And, like, there was some drug taking, not in my circle, but, like, the worst I'd heard about was weed growing up. Yeah. When we got to my sixth form, and boy, the drug culture at my sixth form school was crazy. It was so yeah. intense. People, like, taking care. MDMA, like things I had never even heard of. It was mm-hmm. like, <laughs> such a madness. You know, all the middle-class white kids who were getting very good grades.
1: That's what I was going to ask. I was like, <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was all of those guys. So it was just, I think my mum might have cottoned on to that vibe or anything because she started getting really strict and she was like, "Yeah, I have to know who you're hanging out with and when you're hanging out with them." But I was able to, if that makes sense. My mum pretty much trusted me, but when it came to like you know late-night activity she was like, "You're home by nine. You're home by ten. It's yeah. not negotiable so I think she really got a heightened sense of like worry. She was like, "This might be; these might be the danger years where it could all go wrong, and someone could get pregnant." <laughs> yeah.
0: Actually, How is? How's that compared to your little sister? Is it the same, or are they more like loose on her? The
2: thing with my little sister is she's actually a massive homebody,
0: so okay.
2: so she definitely did benefit from me like basically pushing the boundaries a bit in terms of going out and seeing people. So you know she could go out and come back at, like nine or ten or whatever and there wouldn't be much of a conversation or an argument but she didn't do that often so I think that really meant that it was much easier for her to kind of navigate that it was not she had a natural proclivity not to so it wasn't as um there wasn't as a tense an atmosphere me and my mum would have really big arguments about it whereas with my sister it was less so Uh,
0: because um what we've like for example in like not even the going out bit but when it comes to like pushing boundaries yeah who's more likely to push your parents you or your sister it's
2: definitely me growing up so
0: really I'm shocked
2: (laughs) weird one because I just it was two-sided so I think I basically because I had like some white friends I was like I want to do what the white people are doing and my mom was like what's going on there I only say I went, I didn't, I was really studious and really, really academic. Mm -hmm. So I never got in trouble. My sister did get in a little bit of trouble with like school teachers because she had bad friends growing up. And I think think she was able to, she felt like she could take the mickey a bit more. But like, it it depends on other things where like, I don't know, I wanted to go on holiday with my friends or, you know, things like that. That's not something my sister started doing until like last year. So Mm -hmm. Things that I didn't feel were that rebellious felt a little bit rebellious with my mom, but things that were definitely too rebellious, my sister definitely, so, definitely tipped her toe in that pool.
0: <laughs> At least, like you guys are more like I feel like you guys are quite balanced because there's usually two ends of the spectrums when it comes to siblings. Um, I wanted to go back to when you were saying how when you were at Oxford or the job you wanted it was Mm. more like to make your parents proud Mm. and stuff um do you at what point do you think you'll stop because like I feel like do you do you feel like you do it at the cost of your own happiness or it's not something that you mind doing as long as your parents are happy
2: yeah so my parents have never ever been like you must go here, you must do this, you must do that. They've never, I think my mum would be proud of me if I like worked a retail job or whatever, she'd be fine. Like she she used to work for the Royal Mail and my dad used to be a security guard. So, you know, they just want better for me what they themselves had. Uh, I personally don't mind um, like striving for excellence basically because I want the prestige and kind of the financial security that can sometimes come with it. I don't think I'll, I do not I just think I really saw my mum, because my dad was so ill, I really saw my mum sacrifice a hell of a lot, mm-hmm. like she really, really had to like be the matriarch of the family, single parent, like did basically acting as a single parent, taking care of my dad, doing all the cooking, doing all the cleaning, making sure we went to school, you know, getting us what we needed, buying me a laptop for uni when I knew that it was taking up like half of her paycheck and I didn't know where the rest of the money was going to come from, all those things, so I think what I want for my, what I want to do for my mom is just to like, I just don't want her to want for anything. Yeah. I just want to be able to provide that for her and my dad as well. He's a bit older. Um, yeah. So I just want them to be proud and enjoy enjoy because they really, they really, they really hustled for us. And so I just think it's right to try and do it for them. And I don't think it comes out of personal sacrifice for me because it's what gives me joy feeling like I'm taking care of my parents.
0: That's really nice
2: to hear. Um... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm <laughs> pressurizing for like, kids who want to pave their own path and they feel like they have, to pave it, they have to live their life for their parents. I completely get that. I mm-hmm. think I'm just fortunate that I haven't ever really felt like that. My sister probably does feel like that a bit more, though, for sure, because yeah. she wanted to sing professionally growing up and my mum was just like, this isn't practical. It's not, you know, it's. I know you're a great singer, but, like, I don't think it's something... Like you can do in the future, unfortunately, because it's such a lottery, and I think that really hurt my sister. And I think she still has like it still hurts her to d- to this day that she wasn't able to kind of pursue that.
1: Mm. I get that though, because like for me, it was I loved drama. Yeah, me too. I loved <laughs> drama, but at my school, they didn't do it as a GCSE. It was mm. only like in our English classes. Um, and then when it came to, like, picking A-levels, I really wanted to pick drama because it was the first time they were offering it. And my mum was just like, nope. And my mum normally doesn't say yes or no or to whatever. Like, my mum's quite relaxed in yeah. terms of what we're doing. Um, I think more so with us girls because... I think culturally it was just always like, oh, you're just gonna have a man who's gonna provide anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's not like so. Obviously they they pushed me and they wanted me to do well, but ultimately they were like, oh, the girls are a bit more covered anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really surprised when she said no. I was like, what? Like you're like me? When to me? <laughs> <laughs> and she was just like, no, you can do that on the side if you want, but you're not gonna do it as an A level, like just outright. Like she was wow. like, this is not even a conversation to <laughs> be had. And I was just so surprised. I think I didn't even question it. I was yeah. just like, okay, cool. Whereas normally I would, like, fight it, especially with my mum. Like, I can actually speak back to her. <laughs> but I would, like, fight it normally. So now when I look back, I'm like, rah. I think it's just because it was the first time she said no. Yeah. and um, into silence. Do you get what I mean? So yeah. I was just like, okay. But now I, I've started, I was I um took my first improv class oh, this year. And I'm, like, starting to get back into it. And I'm like, rah, like... You, you could you stop my bag like I oh. could have been <laughs> <laughs> in my head I'm like I could have done it I and you're right like it is, it is so <laughs> exactly so it's like it is like one in a one in a blue moon or once in a blue moon or like it's never really guaranteed so I understand where like her fears were coming from but what I'm doing now like being a journalist being in this field is quite one in one in a million, as well, because yeah. especially coming from our background, yeah. um, and even because I found I did my master's at Oxford and my undergrad at SOAS, so even then, sorry, I, like I was that. at St. Hilda's. Where are you? I was yeah. at September's. So, what year did you finish?
2: 2014.
1: Oh, I started September 2014, so we oh, just missed <laughs> teaching. <laughs> you know? Um, but it was just kind of even then, I remember being when i started i started off in the natural history unit in bristol the bbc one yeah and even then like they a lot of them went to oxford in cambridge but they didn't want to speak to me about that like that was never oh, really? it was always like oh hannah's black hannah's cool um hannah can teach us cool shit and then they'll talk about like being in oxford and i'll be like oh yeah i was there and they'll just be like mm-hmm, and turn away and like oh, really? not allow me oh, so even then it's like That's okay important do you get what I So I was like I've done it I'm trying like I'm trying to yeah. tick all the boxes that they want and even then they're making oh, it really know. really hard like yeah. every time the barrier just keeps going higher yeah. so when I look at it, I'm like mum like this this industry that I'm in is just as difficult like you should just let me do drama <laughs> <laughs> let me fail for myself yeah. if that was gonna be the case but... one, because
2: you got one set of pa- you've got one type of parent who'll be like get into like stem or like medicine or <laughs> no that was not my parents and then you've got exactly. our parents, but our parents are a bit more lenient than that, but not lenient enough to like let us go into exactly.
1: more exactly more creative so field. <laughs> if you if you could do any job without thinking about money, without thinking about parents and stuff, what would it be?
2: I would have loved to have gone into some acting. I did do like summer schools and like drama camps and all that kind of and all that sort of thing. Free though, because my parents didn't have money to pay for that. But, like, you know, Land Council <laughs> would hold, like, a session or, like, a three-week boot camp at, like, the South Bank Centre or whatever. I, I think, mm. you know, I don't know if I w- would have been talented enough. Probably not. But, like, yeah, it's something I would have liked to have tried more. But it was just too risky. Like, oh, I just – I have loads of friends who – well, not lo- – loads of friends of friends who are, like, white and very good-looking, and they are, you know, the type of person you expect to become an actor and actress. And even for them, it's hard. And I'm just, like <sighs> – I know I love John Boyega, Michaela Cole, but they're the exceptions. They're not the rule. They're something, yeah. And I just don't think I have the patience or the kind of belief in myself enough to kind of do what they did, which is incredible.
1: And I think that's that's the main thing, I think, is like a real sense of belief in yourself. (laughs) Because when I look back, I'm like, rah, I really just applied to these unis I was just like YOLO like I, I think <laughs> yeah. when I look back I'm like, genuinely, I was so I'm like I to to who was like <laughs> what was I thinking <laughs> exactly do you know when you look back and you're like what yeah. I want that confidence back yeah. <laughs> like that kind of 18 year old who was just like fuck it yeah let me <laughs> just try this shit um and that's the kind of thing that I I miss and I feel like mm-hmm. as you grow up you become a bit more cynical I think about the world yeah. it's not that like because I remember people used to be like oh Hannah you're so optimistic and blah 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 but it's like you just haven't been knocked down yeah, that, that many it. times so like, it hasn't cool. yet
2: like robbed you of your like innocence and exactly. enthusiasm. but it will
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then that's that's the thing I think like that's why I enjoy listening to podcasts and people's interviews of people who've made it because it's like they were in the same position. They didn't think that they could make it either. And here they are. They've done it. Yeah. So I feel like just trying, even um, that woman, the Tabitha, oh, what was I saying? Oh, now? on YouTube, Auntie Tabitha. Yeah, oh, no, Auntie Tabitha. Sorry, on Instagram. She's so great. Yes, in, Instagram. In, yeah. yes yeah, and on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she was like, oh, it happened to her when she was in her 40s. And it's just kind of like, it's just, I think, a sense of belief. A uh, bit of confidence and some patience. I think you just yeah. like to have a whole yeah. lot of patience. I think so you're much. so right. Yeah, just, just keep trying, guys. I think, and that's the thing. I'm like, oh, yeah. You will become a bit more cynical, but don't let yourself get too cynical. Yeah, one There's thing always-
2: I, I love to ask, like successful people, like even at the BBC, is like, can you tell me about a moment where you failed or where you yes. flopped or when it didn't oh go right?
1: God. Because I just feel. Do you like listen to that podcast? How to How fail, fail with Elizabeth
2: Day? Yeah, I do, <sighs> and I just love stories not because I like hearing people suffer but like I just yeah. love the redemption, redemption story essentially I just love to see that people had to struggle and hustle and and it, and it's okay to like not get it right the first time around like even people like Issa Rae who like did a thing oh with God, Shonda Rhimes yeah. and then that flopped and that didn't go through and yeah. then she ended up with Insecure which is even some this incredible piece of like creative work it's just mm-hmm. things that continue to inspire people who people like me who just you know sometimes looking from the outside in it looks like people are just smashing it every single time exactly. from every single angle and that's definitely not been my story so
1: it's mm. nice to be
2: inspired in that way.
1: I've had so many no's like when so I look back I'm like oh Bro, if my god. you go god. to my,
2: like BBC careers hub interview like history <laughs> it's unsuccessful so unsuccessful, unsuccessful, so. unsuccessful 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 it's never ending man.
0: <laughs> and well, um can I just ask like when you got those no's how did you take it like was it a thing like yeah. oh I'm st- my my time is coming or did you dwell on it what how did you manage it
2: so my mom, my mom like my mom's our faith like anchors us and my mom is always like look this is not this was not God's plan for you so don't worry about it and at the time I'm like I don't do. I'm like just mainly like oh, I don't know God's plan. <laughs> being obvious. but like there's something about I, I know that you know, for people who aren't religious, this might not, you know, if you any use of them in any way. But, like, yeah. for me, it does help me kind of put things into perspective. And I just think, maybe naively, there are greater things to come for me. And this really sucks right now. But yeah. this isn't my story. Like, this is just another chapter in what will be a long and interesting story, I hope. So yeah. I definitely think I, I think for, and I hope I don't sound too arrogant here, I think for high achievers, like, failing feels you're not resilient enough when you do fail
1: like you don't have the same. Resilience.
2: and so when it does happen so I think the first time I really felt bad about myself and my abilities was definitely at Oxford and that like mm. knocked me for six and for like a full year second year was like probably one of the worst years of my life And I just couldn't understand, and it wasn't just academically, but also socially. I was like having difficult times with people who I thought were my friends. So that was really hard for me. But Mm. it does give you. It is like a life lesson to learn that like life is going to knock you down, and it's not fair, and it's not right, and it's not just. But it does happen, and it's not, and it's okay that it knocks you down. But it's how you respond to that that will kind of determine your future. And I think I've just learned to like just embrace the failure look it straight in the eye and then try it dwell on it think about it cry about it I think crying's really good and then try mm-hmm. and move on from it and build and use it as a stepping stone and not a block if that makes sense
1: yeah definitely because even for me there's some roles that I forgot that I even applied for that I got rejected from <laughs> and whenever I look back I'm like Raw, okay because e- and each one you feel like oh this is the one mm-hmm. and then I think it's just the same kind of thing of like, okay, it was never meant for me. Mm-hmm. And it could have been a thing where I could have got it and I would have hated it. Like, exactly. it, just, it just wasn't meant to be. Yeah. And something better is always in store. So I think that's the kind of thing that I say to myself, I'm like, it's fine. Obviously, you're going to cry about it at the beginning, yeah. but afterwards, it's just like, do you know what? There's 110% there has to be something better. Yeah. Right. I'm Gen- not
2: going to continue. Journaling Gen- Gen- really helps me. So at the time when you're going through something difficult, you feel like it's the worst thing in the world. But sometimes I look back on my entries and I'm like, you know what, that, that felt terrible at the time. But actually, I'm absolutely fine. And it's just good to remind yourself that in a week's time or in three weeks time or in however long, you're going to feel OK.
0: I agree. Because one thing like I keep telling myself is that it's very important to learn rejection from early. Because I sure. think I've grown up and I've met people who are like in their 30s 40s 50s and they can't handle rejection mm. and I'm like how it's either you haven't had any rejection significant enough to knock you off your feet mm. for you to be able to deal with it or you've just grown up in such like a bubble that everything you wanted like you had yeah. and um you get to a point in life that the rejection is coming. It might be in like the slightest way. Yeah. Like one thing you I can't hack like, it. exactly like one thing I do is when when I was like after I left uni and I was applying for jobs etc. And they will reject me. I'll just send a, a message like, "Oh, thank you for your time," mm. and it brings me peace. Like, okay, like you didn't choose me, but thank you. Like, yeah. and then it's like. I like I always do this with Hannah. Like <laughs> I'm always like second guessing what I want to do. Mm. And then I'll be like, God, give me a sign of yeah. this is what I need to do. Yeah. And then I'll get like a really big client. And then it's like, okay, that's the sign that I need <laughs> to continue my business. Yeah. Or if I maybe I'll apply for something and I don't get it it's like, okay, this is a sign that I need to do this. So I think I would. I feel like rejection is very important to it's learn. Yeah. yeah, to learn about mm-hmm. yourself and be aware that this world is not built for you. Like yeah. you need to, like, be at peace with knowing, like, not everything you do is gonna be, like, approved. Like, yeah. not, you might think your work is great, but everyone's looking at it like, what yeah. is this?
2: And I actually, <laughs> and I really respect you for that, Yassin, because. I know what you mean about those emails you send where you say thank you for your time. At the time, sometimes I'm like, why would you reject me? I'm (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm (laughs) heartbroken. But actually, if you do send an email that that you've described, Yasin, the day after, you feel so proud of yourself that you acted with grace. And dealing
0: mm-hmm. you face <laughs> rejection. That's it's what you're, yes. you're, you have. All the grace of a university. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is the one time you could have really kicked off, yeah, but you didn't, it did. and yeah. and you really held yourself well. Exactly. And I feel like also it's like um, during Ramadan, we're Muslim, and um, I was reading this. Um, I was listening to this lecture, and it spoke about how like you jealousy. Like it's not good, and looking at someone else and be like, Oh, why do they have this? and I don't, and it's like, Oh, you're disagreeing with what God has willed. Like, so are you speaking against God by you Mm. saying that you deserve that? Like, if Mm. God hasn't given it to you, that means it wasn't written for you. Mm. And the things that are truly meant for you, like, that also brings me a lot of comfort, like, that they will find you.
2: Same, like, uh, it's the same kind of uh ethic and like uh same kind of ethos in christianity and that's something my mom is constantly reminding me of like she's always like look god has his own plan for you don't mm-hmm. know what everyone else is doing like you know be in your lane and someone, focus on yeah. and i've got this friend called ashley who i went to uni with who founded color and tech to help uh uh, black people, oh, uh, black and Asian minority ethnic people in STEM get into the tech industry and I was asking him like you know what people what icons do you admire or respect and he's like I really respect you know Nelson Mandela and Malcolm X and all these incredible figures but I don't really like admire them in that way like I don't find them as an inspiration because I just try and think about myself and kind of the things I want to achieve and what I want to do and I think there's something really healthy about not comparing yourself to other people
1: um, and trying to Definitely. pay for your own way and just focusing on yeah. your. Uh, my p- dad always used to tell me that oh,
2: great uh yes yeah, yeah. I, I picked up on one point you said about like accepting that the world isn't really might not be built for you especially if you're like uh, an immigrant daughter for sure
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> it's a fun really interesting debate my sister and i were having so I was trying to make the point that like when I if I'm ever blessed enough to have kids, I really want them to understand, you know, rejection and that people might not like them no matter how good they are, no matter what mm. they do. And that, you know, these are just lessons they they may have to learn if society doesn't progress in the way we'd all like it to. And she yeah. was kind of saying that it's not really fair, it's not really right to do that to a child because the world is gonna be harsh to them, especially if they're an immigrant kid. So why should your parents be harsh to them as well? Yeah. And there are ways in which you can be supportive without trying to like, you know, give them a hard time. I used a phrase, yeah. the world's going to be mean to them. So I might have to be mean to them too, or something like that really poorly phrased. Yeah. Um, but she feels like that's just not, that's not a good thing to do to your kid. Like be mean to them because the world is already going to be mean to them. So why should you as well as a parent, even if it's to teach them about rejection and about resilience and all those things. Yeah. Thoughts on I
1: yeah no I I I get it because for me I know with my siblings I'm extra soft with them because Mm. I'm like do you know what the world's gonna be mean anyway like I'm fully of that mindset and I'm like now I don't live with them but before when I was living with them it was like trying to create a space in their home where they feel safe Mm. but that doesn't mean that we don't have those necessary conversations I feel like you can either wait until they come to you with an experience and they're like oh my god this happened why did it happen or you can kind of like tackle it i remember i saw a thread recently about how to talk to your child about consent without even using sex so you can talk to your child about racism and like all these other big conversations without necessarily being like you're definitely going to face this and like scaring them in that way but you can have those conversations you can be like the same way like um you can just say like oh you know sometimes you like some people and sometimes you don't do you get what I mean Mm. and it's it's a natural thing like you're in a group of friends sometimes you get along more with one person than you do with another that happens in life and it could be for a number of reasons yeah and then touch and race I feel like you shouldn't shy away from those conversations but I don't feel like you should be mean Mm. I feel like the same way I remember when my, when my sister was a baby and I was, like, really trying to get her to walk. And one of my aunties was like, listen, she's going to be walking for the rest of her life. Let her sit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it's mm-hmm. that kind of yeah. thing of, like, they're going to face it. But why not let them have the peace and the, yeah, right. the kind I of... I think like, when, like I said,
0: I grew up in a predominantly white area and every time I went, wanted to ask my parents to do something... My dad would always be like you're not like these white kids and I never re- when I was young I didn't understand I was like I want to be like them like I want to go out I want to have fun and I wasn't really getting the message he was trying to put forward but then when I grew up when I left Yorkshire and then I was like I'm I'm not like these white kids actually like I'm actually black I have different struggles I'm Muslim I'm black I'm a woman I have like all these things that they don't face and will never um understand and then I can't I think like that's where it really hit home like okay I have to be this way I have to work harder than them I can't just get up and be like oh I'm gonna do this because I feel like it like kids will be like telling their parents, cussing their parents. I'm like, if I, try. I remember <laughs> I went, one time, I, my dad was talking to me and I walked off. Oh, I was no. like, that no. was the last time I did it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so no. I think there's definitely ways um, to communicate with your parents, well, um, with your kids and things coming across well. And I think that's also why, Um, like we've been saying it's so important to fix yourself before you Mm. have kids Mm. because that's where you're able to communicate well with them you're able to tell them how things are without being necessarily mean because if you're going through your own struggles and trauma and whatever how are you gonna help your child with their struggles and trauma how are you Uh gonna communicate effectively to them when yeah. you can't even, like, put your own words across. Yeah, so right. I think those are, like, all the things that we need to consider before we get up and have kids because mm. that's where the cycle, like, Continues. keeps going again and Absolutely. we have more damaged kids with us. So oh, wow, this turned into something that I wasn't expecting. It <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> I was like thinking we're just gonna be, you know, having a bit of fun, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think it's it's a very important conversation to have, and um, I think it's very much needed. And I hope like people benefit from it. Hmm. But thank yeah. you so much, Camilla. No worries. It was really yeah. You great you got us to be guys. serious. Look at that <laughs> 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 oh, Thank you so much, Grace. No Thanks
2: for your time, guys.
0: any time and-, and um, I hope um, I hope you're in- enjoying lockdown. I mean, there's not <laughs> as much cool going <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. But thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you? To oh, I'm
2: at E M A N K W E N on
0: Twitter. Cool. Are you on Instagram?
2: I am. Um, I'm not. I do have an Instagram, but I'm
0: a lurker. I just follow other oh, inspirational people.
2: <laughs> There's nothing of value on my on my Instagram page, so I won't.
0: <laughs> no worries. That's fine. Um, But anyway, we'll tag you so people can find you. Amazing. But thank you so much for coming on, no and worries. we really appreciate your time.
2: Enjoy the rest of your weekend, girls.
1: And You, you. too. Bye. And thank you for listening, guys. If you <laughs> You want to jump on the podcast? Um, oh, please yeah. do just drop us a, a message. We're trying to get as many voices as we can. Um, so yeah, please drop us a message. Yeah, and have a good week. A week, have a great week. Fantastic. You know? Listen, did I, did I sound northern? Then? No, you didn't. Like- <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, bye. bye.